Hello, this is Tim Golden. And? And I'm Jason Hall. And we are the Motown Philly Podcast. Welcome to this episode seven of the Motown Philly Podcast, where we are continuing our conversation about emotional intelligence. Jason, what a ride it's been through emotional intelligence. What are some of your thoughts, man? How do you how do you think we're doing along this journey and, and what are you learning from this? Listen, Chick, do you got all day? Because I, I got a lot to say about this topic, and that's probably why we have this podcast, just talk all day about it. I can tell you this, there have been really good feedback on emotional intelligence, especially on this series of talking about the self and understanding how like self-awareness is related to a type of social awareness. And that's what we talked about on the last couple of weeks and getting feedback from our listeners. Yo, we just want to give you guys a shout out. We're growing in our analytics. People are downloading and listening and even sharing. We want to continue to ask you guys to share this content. Emotional intelligence, two brothers sitting here talking about how how we can better understand our feelings and our emotions and articulate them through a very fluid communicative style and being able to connect with not just ourselves as individuals. Um, Tim and I find this medium to connect even more and bond, but also create that connection with you guys so that we can create a community low emotional intelligence it's just i just think about awareness emotional intel intelligence is awareness and i'm loving it. that's right jason i'm i tell you i'm loving it too man i'm just enjoying learning so much about communication from our communication in this space right. that we hold together in this in this venue in this podcast I am forced into a space of integrity with myself mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. my own communicative habits. Because mm -hmm. here at Motown Philly, we're all about communication, connection, and community. And speaking of community, we just want to thank you. So I want to echo Jason and say thank you to those of you who are sharing with us. Thank you for the community that we are building together. I'm so grateful that so many people have been downloading. We're, we're at, we've, we've averaged close to, uh, we've got close to 200 downloads in the past 30 days, Jason, and we're only on episode seven. So our commitment to you is we're gonna continue to bring you high quality content about communication, connection, and community. The content that we give you it's not going to be mushy-gushy, all about the emotions, and it's not going to be some discredited, angry, frustrated, red pill sort of space that you're going to get where we tell you emotions don't matter. From our first episode together, Jason, we have promised those in our community that we're going to give you a complete picture of the human person. Definitely. We're not here to tell you that emotions matter more than the intellect or that the intellect matters more than the emotions, but we're here to tell you that a proper understanding of human nature is that the emotions and the intellect work together. And even as they work together within each of us, Jason and I work together to deliver you this content 
and all of you who are listening, who download, who share, make sure you subscribe, you hit that notification button, because when you do that, you get notified every time we upload. And as we always like to do at the beginning, we just want to say thank you, thank you, and thanks again for the support you've given us. And we just are, are grateful for it. And we're determined to continue to give you high quality content that you can share and learn from as we try to grow in this world that has become increasingly complex. So thanks again. We appreciate it. Well, what Jason. What are we talking about? What are we talking about, Chick? Well, listen, let's talk about what we're talking about. So the first two parts of emotional intelligence we've covered in episodes five and six, I believe, which were mm -hmm. self-awareness and social awareness. And today we're going to talk about self-management, mm -hmm. self-management. Mm -hmm. And when I think about self-management, I, I think about going back to self-awareness and to me the phrase self-management implies that the self needs to be managed <laughs> quite naturally yes right that <laughs> the self if it's not managed is probably not a healthy self and when i think of self-management i think of First and foremost, the ability to control impulsive feelings and behaviors, the ability to manage our emotions in healthy ways, take initiative, follow through on commitments, and adapt to circumstances that are always fluid. Things are always changing. So Jason, let's, let's take these one at a time. Okay. Self-management as controlling impulsive feelings and behaviors. So when I think about this, Jason, I think about how different we are from animals, right? Mm -hmm. Lions, male lions reach sexual maturity at about the age of three or four. Mm -hmm. And when they do, they're banished from their the pride of their birth, and they sort of roam the plains until they find another pride. And when they find a new pride, they banish the previous male, they kill all of the cubs. That brings the lionesses, lionesses into estrus, and then they mate with the new with the lioness, and then they have their own cubs. And now they have their own pride until they get ousted. Animals operate on instinct and impulse. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the scandal that would ensue if human beings behaved like that? If there were a group of young boys who had just reached sexual maturity and they were teenagers and they roved around the country and they looked for uh, households and they pushed out the male, they killed all the children, and then they forced themselves on the woman, right? Mm -hmm. That's what's called capital murder, burglary, and rape, right? And so when I think about self-management, I think about self-control. 
I think about emotional intelligence as a conversation with oneself that says, I am not a kind of being that operates on instinct or impulse. Mm -hmm. I operate with integrity. Now, I may have an impulse to get married and start a family, but that impulse has to be brought under the control of a certain level of integrity, because as a human being, I don't operate based on what nature tells me to do. I have my own sense of self over and above the impulses and the instincts that I feel. So again, we're back to sort of controlling our behavior by recognizing that we are worth more than what our impulse and our instincts tell us. And I see that as a form of self-control and emotional intelligence. What do you think about that, Jason? My thought about that as you were speaking is to kind of, you know, you mentioned a, having a level of integrity helps you manage better. So me being me, I'm thinking like, how do we define integrity or how does one come into integrity to, to really understand what is good or bad, wrong or right, uh, gray, black or white? Uh, how, how does one begin to, to come into awareness of, of managing the thoughts of how I move, how I think, what I say, of course, what I do, integrity. What do you, how, because I can think integrity, someone can say discipline, like all those things I believe are something that, that is learned. Um, it's, I don't think we, just because we're humans that we have this global, comprehensive, innate knowledge of how to move in life, how to, how to do or not do, how to understand what is wrong or right. I, I do, on, on most levels, I, I do understand that, that you know, we're also put, put on this earth and we, there is a, a lot of us, we do have a moral compass, but somebody, you know, and what is a moral compass? But other people, they seem to act in, in very animalistic or impulsive ways when it comes to instinct and just impulse and just to do. So fleshing that out kind of helps us understand how do we govern ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. I think the differences between the instinct of a lion and the integrity of a human being, we have to see ourselves as beings that are capable of being independent of instinct and impulse. Mm -hmm. We have to see ourselves as, as beings who are above and beyond what our instincts tell us. Just because I'm hungry and I haven't eaten doesn't mean I am able to somehow walk over to you and you're sitting in a restaurant, uh, pummel you about the head and face and start eating your food, right? But when we see lions and leopards and hyenas scavenge for food, that's exactly what they do. They use fear, intimidation tactics and so forth. And these are things that if people did them, 
they people go to prison for doing things like that. That's called assault, robbery. And the reason why we criminalize it is because there is an assumption built into laws and built into our social norms that human beings ought to be able to manage themselves. And just because we get angry doesn't mean, for example, that it's okay for us to go do a mass shooting, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is not that is not emotional intelligence. We may be mad that at someone for something that they 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 did to us. We may be angry. We could be frustrated, but there are certain boundaries that we're not supposed to cross. So it seems to me that self management involves. Not only, here we go back to the dynamic again, involves not only us, but others. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It's, it's almost hard to really take others out of all these quadrants, if you will. And just to bring up uh, this topic as you and I try to really focus on self-management, it goes to the point like, why are we self-managing? Because if we don't, we're going to bleed out. And the thing is like, well, who cares if you bleed out? Well, you'll bleed out on others. And of course I'm talking not literally, but figur figuratively, it, it's the bleeding out to, it's to manage yourself from bleeding out on others. Like, how do you move? I, I, like I said, how do you move? Like, why does it matter how I move? It's because I'm talking about self. Well, guess what? You're not the only one on this planet. We're not the only ones on this planet. So it self-management is a is a self is a self-identification of how we move based on how based on the proximity, the awareness, the, the, the social inclinations and socialization of others. But we're still trying to keep it. How do I manage it? Um I want to yeah, go for it. No, I'm sorry, Jason. Go ahead. You finish your point. I'm sorry. It, it's a longer point, but Landon, my son, and I had a conversation. I, I think it's a pretty cool maturing conversation that I'm getting to have with my 15-year-old. And he, for a school plot project, was asking me that I want to ask you questions for my project that deal with your with with your upbringing and he we went through a litany of them but one that stands out for this particular purpose he asked about how how and what were the behaviors of rearing that your parents had and that their parents had and what actually that you actually um maintained or kept like how did they discipline you and is that what is that how you discipline me? And that for me was a very unique question and a very thoughtful question that caused me to dig in. And when you think about our parents and how they were, let's call it a socialization of what corporal punishment was, especially in the black community, it didn't have a lot of thought. It was more reactive. You did and you got smacked. You did and you got whooped. Like when we, you and I were growing up, the word whooped, when it came to, to African-American vernacular, 
was normative. It was it was normal. It was something that happened and took place. But it was it when you go into when you cross the street into other um, cultures, white culture, if you will, or or culture that that wasn't like ours. Like you didn't hear the word whoop. You heard spanking. I'm not saying you never heard it because that's a generalization, but you heard spanking. Like we got whooped and my parents got whooped and and probably to different and varying degrees, definitely. But I can tell you this, that is stopped since since it stopped and was reconfigured in my generation. And I can tell you when I first had, you know, first had a first had Landon and he was young and growing up. Like I'll treat him different than how I treat him now. I treat him with the level of awareness to manage myself that I do not take his head off. And that was the mentality of my parents and the parents before then. And I say, take his head off. Um, of course, not in a literal sense. You feel what I'm saying? Like, but yeah, that was, yeah. that was, that was a awareness. But if I'm honest, that wasn't, it wasn't healthy or good, but that's what I, that's what I had learned and their parents had learned and their parents before them had learned like this self-management thing is not just unique to the independent person. It's like, what is it, what it's, what is its connection with culture, with tradition, with these things that come from outside and how we govern ourselves to say what is good, healthy, or right or wrong. It's deep, Chick. It is. That sounds pretty heavy. It seems to me like in your reflection, to answer Landon's question, you had to reflect on mm. how your parents and your grandparents were poor self-managers in the context of their emotional intelligence. You mm -hmm. said something very significant in, in what you just pointed out. You said that your parents and your grandparents were almost reacting, mm -hmm. right? That mm -hmm. they, it wasn't, discipline seems to be a mode of behavior modification connected to the learning of some lesson mm -hmm. based on a transgression. Mm -hmm. As you describe your parents and your grandparents, and as you made a sort of general claim about discipline in the Black community and corporal punishment in the Black community, so often we have revered certain aspects of Black culture uncritically. Mm. We haven't stopped and thought about exactly what we're doing and what we are reproducing mm -hmm. in our children. Mm -hmm. Now, you also said a minute ago that that sort of line of thinking stopped in your generation. Had to. And you said it, okay, now we're getting somewhere. It had mm -hmm. to stop, why? Because you don't want to transmit to your children mm -hmm. a view of relationship that says when you feel disrespected, mm -hmm. you can resort to physical violence as a means to restoring order in the relationship. Right. 
Definitely. right? And yeah. and and now we here we are now, right? Talking about feeling, mm -hmm. talking about emotion, mm -hmm. talking about impulse and instinct. Mm -hmm. And your impulse or your instinct may be to hit your child because you feel disrespected. Mm -hmm. But because you are trying to be emotionally intelligent and because you see yourself as independent of your instinct in mm -hmm. a way that a lion is not, right? Right. Mm -hmm. you don't wanna raise, we don't want to raise your kids the way that... You, no one wants to raise their kids the way that lions mate. You raise your kids on instinct, you are likely transmitting a set of warped values mm -hmm. to the next generation that teaches your children that physical violence is the way to assert yourself in relationship. And so I think we're, we're getting somewhere with this idea of self-management and so much of it has to do with ways that we can perhaps take the transgression seriously and mm -hmm. impose punishment that reinforces the hierarchical relationship between parent and child that enables the child to learn a lesson without getting a black eye, broken bones, missing teeth, welts on their body, and the trauma of realizing that they have really disappointed mom and dad and this disappointment has resulted in this physical act that has left me shook. And so I think self-management has serious implications, not just for parenting relationships. Mm -hmm. That's the model we're talking about because you brought up your son. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking relationships with friends. What are you going to do when you feel like your friend has disrespected you? You're going to just go upside his head? What are you going to do when your spouse, you feel like your spouse has disrespected you? Go upside her head? Yeah, That's a problem. It is. The thing is like, why do, why do women and children, why are they most susceptible to a type of aggression? especially in a lot of ways coming from man. Well, I, I, okay. I have some pushback on that. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. That's healthy chick. That's healthy yeah. chick thinking going yeah. on. But yeah. the point, the point is in my head, whether consciously or unconsciously, I know that dude, speaking of Landon, particularly, he can't defend himself and I can be a bully because all I'm trying to do is do behavior modification without the think without the thoughtful and mindful process of doing it in a delicate humane way like i can be intimidating so you can change your behavior i can be aggressive so you can change your behavior because cog because intellect for a for someone who's younger and mature doesn't understand is too slow of a of a modality to get through, like, and this is like I said, it's all tradition and behavior that I, that I've learned, and that was my reasoning to say, you just need behavior modification, and this is a way, aggression, hitting, um, uh, coercion that involves intimidation, like these things are are ways that I that I learned that I implemented easily when when my son was young, 
that I did learn to change. And I think I did it so easily because I'm, because he was a child and he was young and this is what I saw. And he really couldn't defend himself if I'm honest. That's right. I so I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I do, however, want to push back on this model that women and children are most susceptible to physical violence sure, from sure. men because I think that men are uh, very much susceptible to violence from women, both emotional violence and physical violence. Sure. I think we need to broaden our definition. We live in a world, let me just say this, we live in a world where if a man hits a woman, uh, people are going to um, really run to her aid but if a woman hits a man, people are going to assume that he must have done something wrong. And there have been a number of social experiments that you see on social media where a woman has been seen, a man has been seen uh, in, in engaged in threatening posture to a woman. Both people are actors and the amount of people who intervene on her behalf is overwhelming. When you take the same two actors and you show the woman in an aggressive posture towards a man who's hitting the man, people are walking by, they're pointing, they're laughing, they're jeering. You can hear things like, oh, he must have done something. Oh, that's what he deserves. So the reality is that this abuse paradigm that posits men as the abusers is not necessarily the paradigm I want to go with here. Right, right, I think right. that what you said is right. Anyone, male or female, who is in a vulnerable position Definitely. to another person is subject to this sort of, of abuse. And listen, I said something too I want to go back to in just, just a second. Mm -hmm. Emotional abuse is devastating and is mm -hmm. sometimes worse than physical abuse. Definitely. I second that. And, and so there's a lot going on there, but I think what we're getting at, Jason, is that if you wanna communicate well, if you wanna build connection, and if you wanna have healthy community, you have to be emotionally intelligent enough to manage your impulses and your behaviors so that you behave not on impulse or instinct, but that you behave based on integrity, a sense of reflection, that says, you know what, there's a better way to handle this. And I'm not going to ignore how I'm feeling, but I'm not going to let how I'm feeling control my behavior. That word inte integrity sounds like the filter. It sounds like the filter between emotion, oh, this is good, between emotion and intellect. Like it is, it is the, the human, yes. the, the, the conscious or subconscious maybe it's more conscious is the conscious liver or the conscious kidney if you will that allows us to truly filter like our our thoughts and impulses as to what we're doing i think what i was just trying to to really get at uh with that analogy is just like a lot of times it's it's hard to understand what to do when you have instincts and impulses when culture your own home when your traditions of family um, generationally have told you to do a certain thing 
And it's, it's really hard to not do that thing that you've been culturized to do unless somehow, some way you're able to stand back or just really listen to the inner dialogue to be like, this doesn't feel good. Like I can tell you as I was, even in the midst of giving Landon spankings or whoopings or corporal punishment, however you want to couch that, like I can't necessarily tell you I felt good doing it before, during, or after. Like it just didn't, it didn't feel good. And the fact that he, he kept messing up. I was trying to do behavior modification. The fact that for his little self, he didn't, he never really got it. He never really got it right when it came to that. I mean, eventually he grew and became a little bit more mature and aware and had a little bit more control, but I can't say that it was after this, this whooping, he actually, he actually figured out how to better manage his own actions in school. Well, I, you know, that's a good point, Jason, because I think we underestimate the trauma that's imposed and whatever moral lesson you wanted, you wanted him to learn is probably immersed in the muck and mire of the trauma of seeing a person who he loves and who he depends upon transform into someone who ends up hurting him. True. That's a there's a trauma there, and and that trauma may occlude his capacity to appreciate the moral lesson that you want him to learn. And in the black community, we call that being hard-headed. <laughs> no matter how many times I whoop you, boy, you just don't seem to get it. And and that is that is a direct wait wait chick what's the saying tough heads or how, how they tough heads hard head makes a soft behind we have them we this and, and we have so how much dysfunction is baked into the black community in terms of how we deal with our children right and here Jason I'm thinking about now we we're probably not going to have any guests here on Motown Philly this year but next year. I, I think we're going to have to try to invite uh, the one and only Stacy Patton. She is a uh, PhD in, I believe, in sociology. And Stacy Patton has written a lot of books about the spiritual abuse behind spanking in the Black community, the way that Bible verses, spare the rod, spoil the child, etc., are used. And I would absolutely love to have her on Motown Philly. So for those of you who are listening next year, we're going to get some guests and I can't promise you that she will be here. I can promise you we'll ask her and we'll see if she's able to join us. But that's, that's an important point to make. So Jason, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to move on to another topic of self-management, which is taking initiative, right? So we talked about being able to control our impulses and our instincts Mm -hmm. so that we can filter our feelings through our integrity, right? Mm -hmm. And through our intellect so that we end up with better outcomes in our relationship, better communication, better connection and healthier community. Uh, Taking initiative. You know what I learned, Jason, in all my years practicing law? I learned a very, very simple thing about lawyering. 
if you are a bad lawyer, things happen to you. If you are a good lawyer, you make things happen. I like that. And as it is with lawyering, so it is with most things in life. Mm -hmm. If you go through life passive, not taking any initiative at all, not having, if, if you let things happen to you, then I think, you know, you might be destined to live a life of disappointment and depression because your chief complaint will always be to your friends or to your loved ones. Let me tell you what happened to me. What would happen if we took initiative and instead of sitting there passively waiting for life to happen to us, we were going to our family and our friends and our loved ones and saying, let me tell y'all what I did today. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think like, so here's the thing. You and I both grew up in the church and then this is definitely not a church bashing podcast uh, series or episode. However, if you know Tim and I, we have some coyables and some might be light uh, uh, <laughs> with with kind of like spiritual teachings that we've that we've learned um and it's not just to a certain church it's kind of in general um sometimes just growing up uh in spiritual environments we have been conditioned bro let's just be honest we've been conditioned to be passive and and it's been a lot of times under the auspice of you know god's will you know, uh, let God's will be done. Um, you know, if it's his will, like, and we get that, like, I believe that has, like, I believe that has its merit and it has its point and it has its perspective, but a lot of times, and we don't think about it, it's being used often to do nothing at all, bro. And it's just like, absolutely nothing at all. And it's just absolutely like, nothing. So, so, <laughs> So you some you know you talking about a difficult problem in your life and you say I don't know man look I'm just gonna pray about it. Come on now. I.e. I'm not gonna do anything. This thing is gonna continue to be a thorn in my flesh, and while I drag out my life and feel sad and feel depressed because nothing will change, I completely miss out on the fact that nothing is changing. Because the main person empowered to change it, me, is not doing anything about it. Not a daggone thing. And one of the things I've always appreciated about your friendship, Jason, is that about seven years ago, I was going through a difficult situation. Right, right. And I would call you and I would talk to you and you would say, but Tim, what are you going to do about that? What, what are you, you going to do? do? <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, we can we can moan and complain until the cows come home. But the reality is every since you you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to it. Mm. And that's when I think of taking initiative in the context of self-management and emotional intelligence, I think, how awesome would it be if we learn to live by integrity and, and exercise self-control 
And on top of exercising self-control, if we ever became dissatisfied with the state of affairs in our life, we decided not to sit back and complain about it, but to say, what can I do to change it? Mm. That's mm-hmm. taking initiative. Yeah. That's 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 powerful, man. I think I don't even think we have come close to appreciating just how powerful we are as human beings and how capable we are of literally building lives that are healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um we are more as human beings and individuals and even as a collective like we are definitely more powerful than we can ever imagine. We just have limiting beliefs, ideas, thoughts um, that could have been imposed upon us subconsciously and we live under it in self-limiting with which are called self-limiting beliefs that actually manifest themselves in inaction. Mm-hmm. That's cool. right. Manifest themselves in a paralysis that prevents us from living the fullness of life that could easily be ours. And this is a fullness of life that can be lived without doing harm to anybody else. Right. Life is not a zero sum game. Mm -hmm. My success does not mean your failure. Mm -hmm. And so we have to figure out how to assume a level of responsibility and accountability to ourselves and for ourselves and say, if I don't like the way something is going, I have to take the initiative to change it. And I think when if we're able to do that, I think we can go real far, Jason. You're right. And let's just be honest. Y'all, you guys have friends. You guys, and Tim and I have talked about this before. When they call up and they're and they're they they first start you know they start dumping they start complaining and dumping and tell you about their situation that they've been in um for weeks months years even and it's the same conversation it's just like like it could get it could get real dry for the person who has to listen to it um over and over again um, don't be that person. Don't be that person. Make moves, make moves to change your situation because you have a choice. You just have, like, you always have a choice. And Tim and I have often had these conversations where we get to, we get to choose, but we get to create the life that's in front of us. We get to do all of that, especially when you come into a, a mindset or a state of awareness. When you become, when you become knowledgeable that you have you have an option or you have a choice or you can make a difference starting first in your own life on a daily basis. Like that is a very powerful thing. And you don't have to take what you've been given day after day, time after time, wake up somebody. (laughs) That's right. And you know, Jason, I want to interject to you because this is important Mm -hmm. for those who are listening out there. I don't want you to think that Jason and I are saying all you have to do is suck it up and be responsible. We recognize that especially for people who are victims of emotional abuse, Mm -hmm. one of the things that may prevent 
a person from taking initiative and being active rather than passive in their life is the gradual erosion of self-esteem mm. that comes from emotional abuse. Talk about it. So a few years ago, I just mentioned, right, Jason, that mm -hmm. I was having difficulty in a certain situation and you were like, what are you going to do about it? And I knew what had to be done, but because I had been conditioned through a pattern of my own unresolved trauma mm -hmm. compounded by emotional abuse in an intimate relationship, mm -hmm. I had zero confidence in myself that I was even capable of taking initiative. And I didn't think I was worthy of living a life that was any better than the one I was living because I had been beat down for so long that I just didn't have it in me to make the choice. I want you, I want us to be clear Yes. That Jason and I recognize that. We yes, recognize yes. that there will be difficulty for a lot of people in self-management in terms of taking initiative. That said, if this applies to you, you need to get therapy. Definitely. Because therapy will help you deal with your self-esteem issues, restore some sense of who you are as a person, and put you in a much better position to look at your situation clearly and say, I deserve better than this. Therefore, I'm going to take these steps to improve my life. Jason, you and I had a conversation recently about the difference between coaching and therapy. Right, right, right. And, and I would recommend for those who are listening that you get therapy to help you resolve your past mm -hmm. and that you perhaps get some coaching mm -hmm. to help orient you and direct you towards your future definitely and not only do you get therapy and coaching but you have your friends your loved ones and i'm talking especially to those men and women out there who may be emerging onto the scene of emotional intelligence and self-awareness out of an abusive relationship Right. Out of an, a relationship that has devastated you, that has cut you down to an emotional and psychological nub to the point where you get up in the morning and your greatest achievement is just getting out of bed. We recognize that here at Motown Philly, but I think we're here to encourage you today and tell you that there is a way out. I know because I'm speaking from experience. True. So I just wanted to make that point. No, I appreciate that. I think you hit you hit the nail on the head when you when you mentioned worthiness. Like some when you don't understand your value, when you don't understand that you deserve better, when you're when you're understanding that your worthiness isn't is non-existent, I guess there is no real under if you understand if it's not there, it is it is quite challenging to say the least, to find yourself out from under situations where you have long learned that you probably don't need to be in, or at least start to make advantageous decisions to be a better version of yourself. And then that higher version of yourself can make the decisions that you need to make to more decisions that you need to make to, to make adjustments so that you can be a healthier human being. That's right. 
You know, Jason, I want to transition to a third point under self-management. Let's talk about following through on commitments. Mm, How many of you listening out there have said you're going to do something and never did it? For about six years, Jason and I said we were going to start a podcast. (laughs) And we just now got around to doing it about seven weeks ago. True. But we're doing it now. Jason, we, we talk a lot about our background as Christians and, you know, one of the fundamental, or I should say the fundamental tenet of Christianity is that God became human in order to save humanity. And when you think about it, salvation was not just a good idea in the mind of God. For those of you who are listening, if you accept the Christian teaching, great. If not, just humor us for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that I'm going to do something to save humanity. But God, it's not enough for God to just think about it. Mm -hmm. He had to actually do it. Right? Right? He had to actually do something. And if there was only thought without action, then there's no salvation. It kind of works the same way when it comes to following through on commitments. Jason, I am convinced that there is a trilogy of thought, speech, and action that helps us follow through on doing what we say we're going to do. It's not enough to just think about what you're going to do. You typically have to think about it and you have to talk about it with someone. And then once you think about it, and once you talk about it with someone, you end up doing some sort of behavior that brings it to fruition. Right. And as human beings, there's a real big gap between what we think, what we say, and what we do. And there are some thoughts that never make speech because we don't think they're possible. There's a reason why no one talks about flying a rocket to the sun, right? Because it's not possible. There's a reason why I don't talk about working on my basketball skills so that I can eventually beat out LeBron James for the starting spot on the LA Lakers. Right, right. I'm not going to talk about that because that's just idle chatter, right? Because that's not possible. Right. So when things aren't possible, we don't talk about them. And I'll, the reverse is also true. When if we don't think something is possible, we don't talk about it. And if we don't talk about it, it's not possible. So when we talk about communicate, connect, community, look at what you and I have done. We have communicated about a podcast. We've connected about a podcast. And now we have a growing community. Why? Because we had thought, we had speech, we had action, we followed through on that action, and now we are literally building what was once just an idea in our heads. No, I love it. I love it. It's it, it's such an organic thing that can happen that me as a communication skills coach, whether it's myself or whether it's my kids. I'm very careful about what how words come from our mouths. 
And again, a lot of times we hear things from, from our own personal family, from culture, from music, from just normative epithets where people say random stuff and we make it a part of who we, who we are. Um, like we said, hard heads make for soft behinds. Like we say these things and we're not aware of it, but they, they become ingrained in who we are and they become part of our conscious thoughts, ideas, and turns into actions, right? So we have to, I am very intentional about words that I say. It doesn't mean that every time I open my mouth, things will come out perfectly. I'm quite aware of that. And I often, often teach that in my course, like, yo, be imperfect, but not intentionally imperfect, but understand that life is, uh, as Myron said tonight in our class, in our group class is like, speaking is a construction site. And if you go around a construction site, it's not all put together. It's dusty. It's an, it's a work in progress. There are things hanging out. There's tools. So understand as we speak, it doesn't often come out the right way. But when you have a conscious mind to say things properly, do your best to, 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 to say them well, because what you think and say, they can definitely manifest, whether for good or for not so good. That's right. That's right. So we have to be careful what we think, what we say. We have to be careful who we say it to. And we have to make sure that we uh, follow through on what we say we're going to do, because only when we follow through do we get the results that we want. So, Jason, we have one last point to talk about okay. under self-management. So we talked about controlling our impulses and our instincts. Mm -hmm. We've talked about taking initiative. We have just got finished talking about following through on commitments. And now we want to talk about adaptation. Adaptation to changing circumstances. I want to open the conversation here by saying this, Jason. Talk about you it. know me well, and you know that I have a somewhat hostile disposition toward technology <laughs> and toward technology's influence and its impact on contemporary society and culture. And there are so many things about it that I just don't like. I say all of that as you and I are recording a podcast over the internet, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? right? And what I have learned to do through my own self-awareness and through my own social awareness and through my own self-management is to say that I have to find a way to be disposed toward technology that is constructive because technology can help me do things that I might not otherwise be able to do. And that has been a point of growth for me. Mm -hmm. I, now, don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll make the concessions of, for technology that I need to make in order to get along in the world mm -hmm. and in order to do things that I think are important. That said, I, I try to have pretty strong boundaries with technology, but if I don't adapt to it, 
then there are things about me <laughs> that the world will never know that maybe the world will benefit from knowing if I do make the adaptation. Right. So adapting to technology doesn't mean that I, or to change circumstances, doesn't mean that I've thrown in the towel, um, but it does mean that I, I am now able to do things that I might not otherwise be able to do. So th those are, that's my thoughts on that. I, what do you think about that, Jason? I don't, if I'm honest, I don't have like profound thoughts about that. Um, not saying that all of my thoughts are even profound, but it's just to say that- oh, all of your thoughts are profound, bro. I appreciate Believe that. I, I, I try, I try. Um, I, I just think adaptation is necessary. Like here's 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 my thought on that. And I think this is powerful. And over the last, I don't know, five, six years, I've used it as my own personal mantra. And I'm I share it with individuals um, as much as possible because this adaptation is another word for me for it, when you say that word, like change, right? So I've often heard the old adage that says, um, life is about change, right? Like you, you've probably heard that life is all, life is all about change. And, you know, that's some, that's a, that's a something we've heard in our, our life and culture. And I don't know, grandma and somebody in school might've said that or a friend, but I've learned to be a little bit more prepared for change because let's be honest changes can be tough it can be uncomfortable it can be it can be not accepted and and when we go when we go through those conscious thoughts of what change is and how it impacts our lives change can just be something that's often dreaded something that's often oh my you know it's a big deal when something is has to be different and it can really jack up our day. It can jack up our week and even our lives because these things called change situations, they often come up. But I've learned this thing and it's helped me with adaptation a lot better because I've, I've turned, I tweaked that a little bit. And it's not life is about change. I've tweaked it and said, life is change. And when I think of life is change, that means in the moment, life is becoming different. And if I'm always aware that it's changing, I'm better prepared and I'm not so disrupted when all oh, the idea of things, people, or situations happen to change because my mindset is already prepared for because adaptation is continual. It's what is it, the present participle if we're going into English? Like it is, it, life is changing. It's not about change like, oh, it's gonna happen sometimes. No, it is currently changing right before your eyes. And if you're aware of that, and if you understand that and accept that, in my mind, I feel a lot better about you. I feel a lot better about me. I feel a lot better about the ups. I feel a lot better about the downs and even the point in the middle where I'm just content. What do you think about that? Now, I just got finished telling you up on this call that all your thoughts were profound. <laughs> and you glibly said, 
I try. <laughs> and you just drop some profundity up in this piece. Right. That is powerful because what you just said, Jason, is what the ancient pre-Socratic philosopher Heraclitus once said. Boom, bring them out, check. Bring them out. No person can step twice into the same river because by the time you get your second foot in the river, the current has already moved and the river has already changed. And by the time your foot gets into the river, your second foot gets into the river, you've changed because time has passed and you're not the same man. So you're not the same person who's put your foot in the river and the river is not the same river in which you first put your foot. So at the end of the day, everything is always changing. Now there's another view that says nothing ever changes, but we ain't got time for that right now. So we about to put that on the shelf and I just want to acknowledge what you said there because it's so important. Now I'd be I opened this this little segment of the the podcast by talking about adapting to uh, changes that are external to me that I have no control over. But there are also changes that I've had to adapt to both of us have had to adapt to recently. Mm -hmm. I, I went through a divorce. I moved across the country to relocate and I started a new job right. all at once. Yeah. All three of those things happen at the same time, right? Nice. My life today is very different than what it was eight years ago. I mean, it is light years different. Yeah. And I have had to adapt to those changing circumstances. I went from being married to now uh, being uh, divorced, being a single man. Mm -hmm. I, I, by the way, there's a difference between being divorced and being single. Um, so we can talk about that another time. Yeah, yeah. That's very too much, much right now. Yeah, we're very but, much single. Very much single. But, but we're very much single, very much whole, right? And, and that wholeness, it, it means that I've had to adapt to circumstances in my life that are very different from what I was accustomed to being the case. So, Jason, we, we've run the gamut today, man, on self-management. We've talked about overcoming impulse and instinct with integrity and intellect. We have talked about taking initiative, following through on commitments and adapting to changing circumstances. I gotta think, Jason, that we got some content for our listeners this week that will really, really help them. What do you think? Very, very comprehensive. Uh, Tim and I went into this conversation with you guys. And if you if you guys are thinking like this is just for y'all, and it is, it's also for us. And it is. And it's very, it's very, it's very fulfilling to know that we get our topics and we organically and we have our outline and we organically have conversations based on the experiences that we have and the knowledge that we've gained through time, through experiences. And we just love to share this. This was a, a very comprehensive look at this one aspect of emotional intelligence and how we can better self-manage ourselves, bro. Yes, Jason, this was an outstanding conversation. I hope that you all enjoy listening as much as we enjoy speaking these words and 
where can folks find you, Jason? The Speaker's Mechanic at on IG. That's where you find me most. The Speaker's Mechanic, all one word. And of course, if you guys are communicators or aspiring communicators or individuals who are trying to be better as a as a speaker, whether you're in as an entrepreneur, or small business person, or in professional, like you can come to me for coaching. And I'd love to have conversations with you. You can reach out to me on uh, Instagram platform, The Speaker's Mechanic, Jason Hall. All right. You can find me. You? you can find me on Twitter at DRTJ Golden ESQ at DRTJ Golden ESQ on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at A Good Golden Man. And you can find me on Facebook as Tim Golden. Three things in life are certain, death, taxes, and I am the only Tim Golden in Walla Walla, Washington. That city so nice that you have to say twice. Jason is from Motown, Detroit. I am from Philly. The city what up, though? Philadelphia, <laughs> and together we are Motown Philly. Remember, uh, share, our podcast, Please subscribe to notifications, use the hashtag Motown Philly. We're here to stay, folks. Mm-hmm. We're not going anywhere. We're out here, Jay, in these podcasts. Yo, also, don't forget to do reviews, guys. If you haven't done your review, new listeners, old listeners, do a review for us. That also helps to push our podcast out to the algorithm. And it lets people understand and know that we have a community that we're building, that we're growing, that we're sharing, that we're loving, that we're that we're just we're out here. There's no place else in this podcast universe where you're gonna find two black men talking about emotional intelligence, communication, connection, and community. It just ain't gonna happen. Thanks so much for listening, folks. Until next time, take good care of yourselves and each other. And Jason. I think one of these days we just might achieve our common humanity. True, true, true. Love you guys. See you later. Love you, Jay. Love you too, Jay. See you next week, folks.